0: Insights on Responsible Business is a podcast about organizations building trust, security, and resilience to thrive in an era of stakeholder capitalism. Our host is Sir Rob Wainwright, who talks with business leaders and experts about their experiences in charting a new direction to what is commercial success and greater societal impact. Our special guest today is Boyan Slat, who at the age of 17 became the founder and CEO of The Ocean Cleanup, a nonprofit organization. He is an inventor and an entrepreneur who creates technologies to solve societal problems. The Ocean Cleanup develops advanced technologies to rid the world's oceans of plastic by stemming the inflow via rivers and cleaning up what has already accumulated in the ocean. In February 2013, Boyan dropped out of his aerospace engineering study at TU Delft to work full-time on this ambitious project. He dedicates most of his time to managing the rapid growth of the organization while also overseeing the team's technological developments. Rob and Boyan are here to talk about the importance of technology and solving some of the world's biggest problems. Over to you, Rob.
1: Super. Thank you, Vaidehi. Warm welcome to you, Boyan. Thanks so much for joining us today in our virtual uh, podcast room. Well, what an inspiring story. Just listening to Vaidehi's introduction there. a story of a young man taking this initiative, having the energy and ideas to make a real difference in society over something that I think, you know, most people will resonate with, uh, cleaning up our oceans and rivers of plastic. Um, how did you arrive at the idea, Boyan, and in, in terms of the mission that you have going forward, how do you see that?
2: Sure, yeah, and, and thanks for having me, by the way. Um, so, yeah, at The Ocean Club, as, as was said, our mission is to rid the world's oceans of plastic. And for me, this this journey started... Actually quite a few years ago. So I was I was sixteen years old and I was scuba diving in Greece, which is on a on a family holiday. And I was hoping to see all these beautiful things like you, you would expect after watching a few of these BBC documentaries. Um but yeah, I went underwater to you know, was getting my scuba diving license and I looked around me and I just saw more plastic bags than fish. And I you was know, so disappointed by that and you know, quite frankly shocked that I thought, hey, well, why can't we just clean this up? You know, I've always been very you know, passionate about making things, building things, so sort of having this engineering mindset of um, you know, seeing a problem and then you know, basically seeing problems as things to be solved rather than conflicts between, between groups. <laughs> um, I think that has been sort of ingrained in me from from a, from a very young age, and um, yeah. So hence, I asked this myself this question, and yeah, I think another thing that's part of who I am is that I'm quite obsessive. You know, when I have an idea, I can't really stop thinking about it, and it just became this this thing that just um, you know, dominated my my thinking. You know, I couldn't stop thinking about it at night, uh, and. Uh, And ultimately, um, I uh, I continued developing it. I had to do a high school science project, uh, chose this as as the topic to to try and understand it. Why is nobody cleaning this up? And uh, ultimately, after coming up with an idea to try and solve this, uh, I dropped out of uh, aerospace and uh, founded the Ocean Cleanup.
1: That's that's, that's great listening to you. And, And it says a lot, doesn't it, that it requires, first of all, some imagination. There you are, you know, swimming in what should have been beautiful waters and then you see that. And as I said, it'll resonate with so many other people, um, I'm sure. Um, but then, you know, to convert that into do something that has any practical effect requires, as you say, almost this obs- ob- obsessive commitment night and day. Um, so I'm sure it's been, you know, tremendously hard work. Um, you, you know, reflecting, on are coming up to sort of a 10th anniversary. So what's your reflection on how successful you've been?
2: So I will always answer that question as uh, <laughs> not successful enough. I, mean, I think we've yeah we've achieved some things which I think are quite important. So first few years, it was all about trying to understand the problem, and um, we conducted these scientific expeditions at a scale that nobody ever did before on, on the plastic issue. So really, most of the the world's understanding of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch really originated uh, with some of these expeditions that, that, that we did in you know, 2014, 2015, 2016, crossing the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, this, this, this vast area between Hawaii and California where, where the plastic accumulates, uh, yeah, crossing that with, with 30 boats at the same time, and then a year later we crossed it with a, a Hercules aircraft just to, to map all the size classes of, of debris that you could find in this area. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, I still look back at that. It was pretty, you know, quite proud of, um, sort of the scientific aspect that we done did. And then so starting in 2018, we, um, we, we started developing systems and deploying actual full-scale prototypes of, um, of this cleanup technology to try and uh, clean up this, this great Pacific garbage patch. Now, this first system... Um, didn 't collect any plastic and broke into two, so we paid quite some some learning money with uh, with that system then two thousand and nineteen we had a system that did collect plastic, so we were able to adjust it and um, you know, got it to work but at the same time the in terms of yields uh, it was so low that you would just need hundreds and hundreds of cleanup systems to to clean up this patch and that would just not be operationally feasible, uh, would be very expensive, uh, would take a long time. So um, yes, it worked, but it wasn't truly scalable to the level that it would need to be to, to rid the oceans of plastic in, in a matter of years, which is what we set out to do. So, so a lot came you know, a lot of our hopes rested on this third attempt, which we launched uh, just about half a year ago. Uh, in, in the Great Pacific Garbage Patches, System uh, 002 is what it's called, and it's nicknamed uh, Jenny. And um, this system was, um, again, took into account lessons learned, and uh, we finally were able to, to actually get that to work and get the yields that we were after, which now means that with 10 such systems, if we were to scale them up to full scale, uh, we can actually clean up the Great Pacific Garbage Patch in um, yeah, so eight years, <laughs> next eight years, which is um, yeah, which is exactly what we what we wanted to. Do. So when you look back at the, these initial ideas that I had back in 2013, I think they were actually most of them were wrong. Probably everything except for the general idea of cleaning up the oceans. Uh, everything was wrong. So. I think that really goes to show that it's not necessarily about inspiration, but about perspiration. It's, you know, it's about you know, trying many different things and then being open to acknowledge that that you are wrong and being willing to adapt and uh, you know do the, you know, the the next best thing you can think of, and that gradually, like an evolutionary process, brings you to something that that works. So, so yeah, to I, I guess to funny to answer your question, it's a bit of a long-winded uh, way to get there. But yeah, I think you know, on one hand we've been successful in terms of we, we truly understand the problem and we have solutions now that work. And actually, not just to clean up what's already in the ocean, but also to intercept it in rivers, which is I think equally important to stop further plastic from going into the oceans. But at the same time, in terms of actual percentage of problems solved, because it's it's very small at the moment. We. You know, we've cleaned up half a per mil of the groupers of the garbage patch. Uh, we've deployed in eight rivers now, out of a thousand that we need to do. So hopefully, where we are now is in this transitionary phase from development to scale up, and hopefully we'll we'll start to see the the, the, the plastic count going up very rapidly in uh, in the coming months.
1: Yeah, I don't apologise for for your long answer, Brian, because it's a fascinating story and and important, I think, for our listeners to. To hear you know the the experiences you've had over that ten year period, it's, it's a story, of course, that I guess is very similar to all the major great innovations in the world. As you say, it takes a lot of perspiration, a lot of prototypes, and and refining of, of those ideas. It's, they don't happen overnight. Um, and and just listening to you, the scale of the challenge, you know, a thousand rivers, not just eight, the great Pacific. I mean, you know, the, the vastness of of the area are trying to do it, and Frankly, the fact that you you estimated you might clean that in eight years is already astonishing, I think. So, yeah, um, um, uh, great. It's it's about scaling, I guess. Um, It's also about the use of technology. Um, And, you are obviously a big believer in the transformative power of technology. And I just wonder if we broaden that out, Brian, from from your experience and observing, you know, the, the great climate change challenge that the world has at the moment. Well, how important is the role that technology can play in helping to solve that challenge?
2: Oh, I mean, it's the only thing that can solve issues like this. I think human human nature is, is quite um, it's quite stable, <laughs> so it's very hard to to change people's desire for a better future. Um, you know, to have a better life than their parents or their grandparents had, and um, yeah, I mean, we just. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think everyone wants the future to be better than the present, and um, yeah, we just you know like doing things. We like to own a house. Um, you know, we like to travel. We like to socialize. So yeah, so I, I, I don't think it would even be wise to want to change that i think it's it's you know these are valid things and you know the thing is that at this point in time we just can't do that um, in a way that's sustainable uh because we have inferior technology you know we can't travel to mexico and visit a friend without doing harm to the environment at this moment and i think that's ridiculous <laughs> i think that's uh Uh, And I think ultimately what the job of the engineer is, is to resolve trade-offs. And that's fundamentally what these environmental problems are today. There are trade-offs between personal interests and interests of uh, society. Uh, Now, you could try and align those things through taxes. Um, They can help um, incentivize certain behaviors. Um, But... Uh, yeah, I think fundamentally, I, I, I don't think, again, we should want to change human behaviors. Um, ultimately, what we want is we want people to do what they can do or what they, you know, what they want to do uh, without doing any harm to the environment. So I think it's really the engineer's job this century is to you know, convert a lifestyle created in the previous century into one that can still be there in the next century by... Um, enabling us to do what we want to do in a sustainable way
1: in terms of the, the you know the problem we have of, of plastic in our oceans does that mean also that you're engaged very much with you know the, the the wider challenge also of you know trying to prevent the 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 excess production of plastic in the first place you know i just wondered you know how you see your your role going forward also as you say this is about engineers finding solutions to trade off our human interests and behavior we don't have to always drink out of plastic bottles and so so i just wonder how how sort of engaged you are in 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 the broader issue of plastic in society yeah
2: so two thoughts on that i think on one front i think if you want to Succeed at anything. Um, you know, if you, if you if you try to do everything, you'll succeed at nothing. Um, so, it's it's very important to to focus and yeah. I think our scope is already quite uh, big, <laughs> as in um, you know we, we set out to rid the oceans of plastic, um, and I think in terms of inflow, um, what, we, what we see is the, the fastest way to stem the tide is to. Um, to intercept plastic in, in rivers so that at least plastic can't become ocean plastic. Um, so doing these 1,000 rivers, we see that as um, sort of the highest leverage action we can take to, to stop the inflow. Um, of course, there are other mitigative actions that you could take further upstream. And the good thing is that these can all work in parallel and that they're additive. So um, you know, it's not like one competes with the other. Um, having said that, you know, when you compare plastic emissions of a country like, say, the Netherlands with a country like, uh, such as um, Malaysia, um, if you compare the, the river that we're operating in, in, uh, in Malaysia, the River Klang, um, it emits more plastic on a daily basis than the River Rhine, the, the largest river of Europe, does on an annual basis. So even though actually in Europe, people consume a lot more plastic than they do in Malaysia. So uh, surely if people were to consume less plastic, yes, less plastic would reach the environment. Um, but it seems to be that actually people can consume a lot of plastic without polluting the environment. And that really the, the big differentiating factor which causes most emissions today is a lack of good waste management. If you go to some of these countries, you know, for example, we're operating in Dominican Republic. we visited some of these poorer communities that live on the river and that you know, throw the the waste into the river. Um, you know, they don't have uh, a, gar- a garbage truck coming to their curbside to collect their waste every Tuesday. Uh, they probably don't even have a curb in in, <laughs> in the areas where where they live in uh, in Santo Domingo. So, yeah, I don't think you know you can really blame human behavior. I think it's also hard to make the case that plastic consumption is the, the issue. I think you know, it's, it's really waste management and improving that, which I think is, um, is the most important thing. I think you know, interceptors, so what we do in rivers, you could see as part of waste infrastructure, it's the, 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 the last safety net uh, to prevent it from going to the ocean. But of course, preferably it would already be collected by um, you know, garbage trucks before it can even enter. A river. So, hopefully, what we can do with with our river program is buy the world time to stop the flow now, so that in the next few decades the world can mature its waste management practices. Um, because that's, of course, you know, to, you know, to be realistic, um, it, it will take time. It's uh, it's very it's it's quite an expensive thing, and often uh, rising economies have different priorities than than waste management. So. Um, I think it will come. Ultimately, there will be these garbage trucks in the streets of streets of Santo Domingo and Dominican Republic too. Um, but it's going to take some time.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's a, that's a great way of putting it. Actually, it's it's it's, it's the last safety net uh, of the problem. Um, I just want to turn uh, to to your collaboration with the business community. Most of our our, our readers, uh, our listeners, rather, are, are in the business community. I just wondered what the level of of Collaboration you've had, the response in terms of funding, but also wider than that, the response you've had from from companies around the world. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is I said it was this is a big problem to solve, so we can't do this alone. Um, if we were to try to do this alone, we would have to build a, an organization of tens of thousands of people, which is hard to do when you're a nonprofit. So. Um, so, yeah, we, we need a lot of help, and that comes down to, of course, funding, um, but also operational support. So, uh, for example, uh, of course, you know, we're talking here in a Deloitte podcast. Deloitte is is one of our partners that we're very thankful of and that uh, don't support us uh, by providing cash, but providing you know, thousands and thousands of uh, consultancy hours on an annual basis. And... Uh, which you know, is, is super valuable and uh, helps us succeed in our mission. Um, you know, similarly, um, you know, we closed the deal with Coca-Cola last year. They obviously have a problem that a lot of their waste ends up in the environment. Uh, fortunately, they do realize it's a problem and they seem to want to do something about that. So, um, with that deal, yes, of course, there is a funding component to that. but actually more important to us is the fact that they have people in all countries of the world and they have these boots on the ground that can help us deploy interceptor projects. So they have the relationships with waste, man- waste management companies in the com- countries where we need to operate. Um, they have relationships with governments. So. Um, things like that they can actually help us on the ground and that's that was really our prime motivation to um, to work with them you know we uh, anything we can do to speed up interceptor deployments I think is a good thing for the ocean and um, yeah, and then of course, on the ocean side, Merk is for example a very important uh, partner that provides us with the vessels that we need to um, to drag our cleanup system through the great pacific garbage bench so it's, um, yeah, it's really a, um, yeah, we, we, I'm 100% certain that th- what we do would not be possible without the collaborations of uh, big international companies.
1: And you mentioned those, exa- those three examples, all three of them are, are very, very big, successful global uh, companies, of course. Um, and, you know, when you work with, with Coca-Cola, for example, in the way that you described um, huge organization, so much resources, so you, you can tap into that and leverage that, so it's it's, it's really great, I think, to hear also that, that companies are doing that. I just wonder, when you talked earlier about the need now to scale, to go from, you know, interceptors in from eight rivers to a thousand, presumably that means, you know, you'd love to have many more examples like that of Coca-Cola and Musk and so on. Uh,
2: indeed, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so I think it, it's scaling in two axes. One is indeed broadening the support base, more companies getting involved. Um, at the same time, of course, you know, we are um, heavily committed to the companies that we work with. And, uh, of course, we look for ways in which we can increase the scope of these partnerships. So, for example, um, the Merce deal started with vessel supplying and then it expanded to logistics too. So because we... Have a lot of shipping containers going around the world with interceptor parts and plastic, and um, you know. So it's um, yeah. There's there, there are a lot of resources in in companies once you you know you you work together. So it's um, yeah. So it's really scaling in both direction.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe you know. Let them be be a positive example for others others to follow. And I just wondered, you know, do you have a message for our, for our business? Leaders that might be listening today, what what would you say to them?
2: Yeah, well, so I think ultimately cleaning up the the, the oceans, I think, is going to be one of the most inspiring things that we humans can do in in, in the coming years. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's quite hard to imagine any sort of yeah opportunities in terms of marketing or branding that uh, is yeah it's. Is it's, it's better than that, right? So, um, really, I think working together. Um, yes, I think you can help solve a, a, a massive problem. Uh, but at the same time, we get tremendous feedback from the companies that we work with um, in terms of uh, how it's helping them for you know, engaging their employees around the world, you know, let, letting them rally around a uh, a cause. Um, you know connecting with some of their customers um uh, showcasing their their products and the uh, you know the services that they provide so it's um yeah it's uh, as much about um them helping us as us helping them and you know it's um yeah i think that that really makes partnerships uh, powerful if it's uh, a, if it's a true partnership
1: true partnership well there you go you heard it come. Come join Bayern in this inspiring, inspiring mission. Um, that's, that's that's a good way um, of of putting it, indeed. Um, looking ahead, Bayern, we'll, as we wrap up this 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 fascinating discussion today. Looking ahead, you know, what's coming next? How optimistic are you that that you really can hit these very ambitious targets that you have?
2: Yeah. So as, as I said before, we're in this, in, uh, we're at this inflection point for for the mission. We now have solutions that work that are proven. Uh, we understand the problem. We know where we need to deploy. It's now about doing it, and um, yeah, uh, basically doubling the number of interceptor deployments every every year. That's the trajectory we want to be on. So we're now at eight. Um, and we want to deploy yeah roughly 16 rivers this year, and. Um, yeah, which is of course is is difficult. It will it's, it's a very steep curve that that we're that we're on, and um, and then on oceans, it's about maturing the technology and um, yeah, making it full scale, which is what System Three is going to be all about this this year. So just for context, the current system has a has a span of five hundred and fifty meters. Uh, and we're going to a uh, span that's three times the, the width, so 1.8 kilometers, which is more than a mile in, in width. It will be the the longest structure ever deployed on the ocean, and um, it's, but but it's what we need to uh, be able to economically clean up the, uh, the garbage bench. So it's about taking the lessons learned of system two, making it bigger, deploying, you know, testing, deploying system three, and then hopefully by the end of the year, we've got that box ticked, if that's done, we have this this blueprint for the fleets, which we can then use to uh, to scale in uh, starting 2023. So it's, um, yeah, so I think, still plenty of um, challenges there operationally too. But um, yeah, hopefully this will put us on the trajectory to actually rid the oceans of plastic in uh, in the years to come.
1: What a brilliant uh, objective that is as well. and. Yeah, you really are talking about scaling. Scaling physically as well, if you know now set to deploy mile-wide um, operations at sea, that's, that's extraordinary. And um, well, Brian, thank you so much for for sharing with us today. You know, a fascinating journey that you've been on, that you've charted over the last 10 years. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and I wish you all the very best with this this fantastic initiative going forward. Thank you. The young do not know enough to be prudent, and therefore they attempt the impossible, a quote attributed to a former winner of the Nobel Prize for Literature. It resonates in the story of Boyan Slat, who at 17 set out on the highly ambitious mission of cleaning our oceans of plastic. Less than a decade later, his ocean cleanup initiative has made remarkable progress and is attracting global acclaim. It's a powerful story about the impact younger generations are capable of making on the most serious global issues. It's also about ingenuity and leadership and hard persistence over many years. And it's about the transformative effects of technology when harnessed for good and developed in the right direction. But this is also about the role of business in making a decisive contribution where it matters in tackling climate change. Ocean cleanup attracts a commendable level of support from a few notable global brands. It could do with a lot more from many more. The enormous amount of plastic flowing into our oceans and the sheer scale, as you've heard from Boyan today, of the challenge that confronts us to reduce that flow, let alone eradicate it, requires a concerted cross-sector and a globalised response. It's time for other leaders to join Boy and Slat in this mission. It's time to make a real collective impact in dealing with a sustainability problem evident to us all. It's time for Responsible Business.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Insights on Responsible Business. We hope you enjoyed it and will tune into our next episode. Please review us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app, or whatever popular podcast app you're using. And find out more on Deloitte.nl. See you next time.